enough with announcements. I want to introduce to you uh, this morning uh, Jack and Jennifer Kemp. Come on up, Jack and Jim. Uh, Jack is actually an elder here at our church, at least formerly. And uh, I told him that once you're an elder, you're always an elder. But I asked Jack and Jen to come up this morning and uh, give a little bit of a testimony for you of what God's been doing in their life over the last couple years. Uh, Jack and Jen were with our church for a number of years, close to the beginning. And um, we came to value their family, just a, just a, uh, man, just a, a workforce. You got like 14 kids, right? And uh, they just come in mass and doubled our church when they first came. And uh, over time, we, we recognized Jack as one of the elders of our church. And uh, I still count him as a, as a friend and a confidant and uh, uh, a source of counsel. And I just, just love their family. But they have an extraordinary story of uh, what God has been doing over the last couple of years. Jack is a former army diver uh, turned attorney and uh, was a practicing attorney and, and still is to some degree for a number of years and uh, was an attorney here most of the time where he was uh, when they were at Cornerstone. And, uh, and the economy hit and, and God just kind of uh, just threw their life upside down. And uh, Jack went from uh, a, very, uh, a very lucrative job as an attorney to uh, no job and uh, wondering where their family was going to go and what they were going to do. They ended up moving to Oregon where Jen's parents live, moved in with Jen's parents and then that worked for a little while and then they ended up uh, in another rental house and it, it has just been one challenge after another. And uh, many of you have been praying for them over the last couple of years ever since they moved to Oregon. Now they are back. Jack has got a job, a ministry slash secular job and he's going to tell you more about that. Here in Atlanta, and what many of you have been praying uh, God would do for them, but the challenges still aren't over. And so Jack and Jen are going to share what we're calling uh, some lessons from the meantime. Uh, Sometimes we're looking forward to when God fixes everything, right? To when he gets us out of the situation that we're in and we get to what the goal is. We get back to where everything's right and content and everything's provided for once again. But very often it's that meantime, which which is often mean, that God teaches us some of the greatest lessons. Amen? And so they're going to share some, uh, some of what God has done in their life for the next few minutes. All right? Amen. You can have that pillow. That's cool. You want to sit on it up here? Awesome. Yeah. Take it away, Jack. Glad you're here, brother. Praise God. All right. Can everybody hear me okay? All right, good. So... Not only do you get to listen to Jennifer and I speak, but you get to experience our precocious fourth here. So, um, she's very shy. <laughs> Sorry about that. Yeah. The mic. Psalm one nineteen sixty eight says that you are good and you do good. Teach me your statutes, and that in and of itself, when I first heard it and then first read it, kind of just made sense as a Christian, right? Of course God is good. Of course he does good. But when David uttered those words or penned those words, I think about God's goodness and that you are good, Lord. God deserves all the glory for everything. All the praise in all the glory, despite our circumstances, despite what we may or may not be going through. And he does good. He does infinitely good 
despite our circumstances, despite what may be uh, dominant in our thinking, in our minds, in our hearts in the moment or in the season. God's goodness, streams of goodness, as um, Matthew, Matthew Henry put it, writing about Psalm, uh, or rather verse 68, are numerous and strong and flowing. This is going to be a distraction. Yeah, and, that, and that was another lesson, too. Don't be distracted, but uh, have a complete and utter focus and devotion on our God. So I'm working on that right now. So anyway, um, those streams of goodness uh, are for all of us as creatures of our Creator. And, uh, and keeping that central in our radar has been one of the many lessons we've experienced, I've experienced. Uh, and, and then teach me your statutes. Again, seemingly um, a simple scriptural premise, but uh, because he's good, he shows us as sinners how to be more like Jesus, right? And... Uh, yeah. Thank you, Tracy. This is what we deal with 24 and 7. Um, there you go. Thank you. Christian, please. Thank you, son. We planned all of that. Thank you very much. Thank you for your grace. So anyway, uh, in that, my prayer became, God, show me my duty. God, show me how I'm supposed to walk this walk, be focused on you, be a leader of my family, be a minister to my children, be a representation of Jesus and what he's done in my life and my family's lives, um, despite what we're perceiving as hardship, despite what we're going through, despite what feel like um, constant um, pitfalls uh, from a human perspective. Uh, incline me to that, God. Enable me to, to, to do, uh, to act out your statutes, Lord, despite, despite, in spite of me. Um, so briefly, the story, um, there's lots of opportunities for a beginning, Jen and I realized as we were kind of writing some of this out and talking through it, but I would easily go back to 2008. Um, as Daryl mentioned, we were members of this church and uh, just incredibly um, blessed to be members of Cornerstone uh, and to be um, uh, benefiting from such great teaching. Um, I was uh, practicing law at the time uh, here in the Atlanta area. Uh, I was some would consider at the top of your game, um, definitely uh, uh, financially blessed. Uh, we had a fourth child due, uh, so we were uh, physically stretched at home. Uh, and uh, yeah, literally, I guess, huh? Yeah. yeah. 
And, uh, and then kind of the, the, the hammer fell. And many of you may have experienced 2008 and 2007, 2008. And it was, those were tumultuous times for a lot of people. And it continues to be so uh, for a lot of people. Um, but so we started experiencing those, those things that we don't plan on. Like, um, you know, we, we, we built a house here in Jefferson and loved our home and we had to sell it. Uh, I had, yeah, and all this, by the way, is going on. So this is August. The baby's due in October. So she's always quick to remind me that. Yes. Um, anyway, so the house and then my beloved truck and the boat that was on the radar just never came to be. So there wasn't a huge sense of loss there. The riding lawnmower, the Cadillac gas grill, one by one. Uh, these things started to disappear. Um, but God was gracious through all of it. Our house sold, for example. Um, and we were surrounded um, by you guys, the body of Christ. Like, we didn't, I don't think I could have recognized what that could have felt like to have a body of believers who we called our church family wrap their arms around us and respond to God's love by loving on, on others um, as members of the body. And uh, we, people were there through the move. Uh, Jennifer was... Yeah that, very, yeah, that time was just... That was sort of... I mean, it's, it's kind of sad in a way because I kind of equate the birth of my child to the beginning of, like, the roller coaster ride because... Jack came home um, at the, in the end of August and and told me that things were, you know, which we had, you know, we had not been totally blind and thought it could never happen, but we were hoping, <laughs> we were, Lord, please just let us be the people that don't get hit by all of this, you know, and so far we had been doing okay, and, and then suddenly, uh, you know, that changed, and so we we had made uh, the decision to put the house on the market, thinking, well, you know, it could take a year to sell, and so we better get it on the market like right away. So of course we call in our church family, hey, we got to sell this house, you know, come over here and help us paint and you know pressure wash and do all this fun things. And, of course, everybody was just right there, and they did such a good job that the first people who came to look at the house put in an offer. <laughs> and uh, so we ended up um, signing a lease for a new house in Buford on Saturday night, going to the hospital on Sunday and delivering a baby, coming home on Tuesday and moving out of our home on the following Saturday. So it was like an unbelievable whirlwind. And, um, I mean, through it all, I just, it, that, and that was just the beginning, <laughs> mind you, of the last three years. But um, that, just, that, just that experience alone, I mean, we just could not believe. Well, obviously, I, I didn't pack one box. I didn't unpack one box. I mean, I was, like, pregnant out to here when everything was going on, all the fixing around the house and all the packing and organizing and all of that. I mean, that was just done by the church. I mean, it was just like our friends just gathered around us. And um, the day that we moved out of the house, 
I went over to Jamie Kessler's house and sat on her couch and cried all day long and didn't lift a finger other than to be with my baby. <laughs> um, but I just, I had a place to go and I knew that my kids were taken care of and my husband was being helped and people organized trucks for us. And I mean, every single thing was just handled. And, and uh, it was just, I mean, just in that, situation alone um the church was just such an enormous support to us and um it just has continued on from there but just want to say <laughs> i remember that moment and it was you know it was awesome to have this body so yeah and i think at that point we were ready for it to all be done too we were loving god because of his faithfulness we'd made several very intentional decisions like to continue tithing um we uh, we knew we were blessed beyond belief despite our circumstances, but the meantime was far from over, which we discovered. Um, and it's probably apt to point out, too, at this point that, uh, you know, we'd been praying for a couple of years. Or I think as we fast forward through this time frame, we were now living in a rental house. I'm still practicing in the Atlanta area. Um, things aren't getting easier from a financial perspective. In fact, they were, they were probably worsening a little bit and... Uh, um, we were still praying real hard about where God would take us through this adventure and what the, that outcome might look like. And, and as, as we're praying through that, I, I realized, you know, a lot, in my heart of hearts, what was going on was that, you know, here I am, I've got this investment in law school and, and, I'm, and I'm chasing a career. But really, I discovered very quickly through this process, which obviously the Lord knew this is how I would learn it, that... I was really just working. I was chasing the almighty dollar. I was working for the paycheck. And when that was stripped away, I was just left thinking, wow, you know, what's next, Lord? What would you have us do? Is it just to go after that next corporate job or is it something bigger for you? Um, so we fast forward a little bit again. We, uh, uh, things were not getting better at the law firm. Um, we're praying, we're asking God, we're crying out for understanding, we're crying out for discernment through this process. So eventually the decision was made that we would, um, we would, we would, uh, that the job was all but finished, and so we would head out west back to where Jennifer's from, Portland, Oregon. And uh, certainly out there, um, we would be surrounded by family, which we hadn't had before. We'd had our church family, but not our, our, uh, immediate family, her mom and dad, her sister, her brothers, cousins, aunts, uncles, all, all were out there to, to, uh, to help us along. So it made sense at the time, and, uh, and so we headed out west. And while we were out west, um, as much as I thought I could control things by interviewing and looking for work and taking care of, of, of my family, um, it just, it just kind of kept getting more difficult. Um, and I don't want to tell the whole story. You can jump in at any point. But essentially, so now I'm working part-time at REI, which, by the way, is a great place to work part-time. And uh, uh, Jennifer's waiting tables, and we are just, we are just um, striving to, to make ends meet. We're, we're, we're in, a, we're in a, um, a house that presented some challenges in many ways. And, uh, but the whole way, God's reminding, of, uh, reminding us of his faithfulness and reminding me of my my, my absolute 100% ability just to continually fall on my face. Uh, and I don't mean in prayer. I mean just stumbling. Uh, you know, we're, we're trying to guard our kids from this experience. We're trying to remain examples of, um, of uh, uh, 
of Jesus through this experience. But, I mean, we definitely were having some lows um, in our marriage. We were definitely having some lows struggling through this process. But looking back, God's faithfulness was always there. You know, it's that not quite cliche story, but certainly there was that peace that no matter what, I mean, there was always just enough, just enough there. You know, we we ate. We never really starved. I mean, um, the heat stayed on. The power stayed on. and it was it was through there were so many blessings throughout that process in the form of um, anonymous people coming forward i don't i don't even know that they were all believers um, this church, my goodness gracious guys, cards of encouragement um, financial help um, i mean it was it was really unbelievable, but despite all of that, I still had not recognized my utter inability to kind of control it all myself, you know, I just felt like I needed to get out there and and make something happen. Um, The whole time praying now, uh, strangely, for some kind of opportunity, Lord, all right, well, I'm a a lawyer by trade, but what can I do with this, and should we go to ministry? We have a heart for ministry, but look at our situation. Um, Definitely not in a position to pack up and and go to Africa as missionaries, And, uh, um, and so... Is there something out there that's kind of ministry, business, you know, utilize my background, skill set, et cetera, um, that, uh, that you might have for us um, as we learn this lesson of abandonment? And then, do you want to tell them about Daryl coming out? Yeah. Um, yeah, we definitely hit some, some lows while we were there. And, uh, you know, one of the things that's been unique is that you know, we're married. <laughs> we were living the same, the same reality, and um, God was using all of it in totally different ways for him and I. And so, um, you know, that was, that was part of it, I think, you know, is that um, God had us in the same situation, but he was, he was growing different things for Jack than he was for me, you know. And, um, but of course, through that, there was also this tension of like, well, why aren't you where I'm at? <laughs> why aren't you feeling what I'm feeling? Those kind of things. And so, um, you know, obviously any kind of stressful situation like that, you know, we were living in a, in a small home um, and we were, you know, we were very tight financially. I was working um, a lot of hours at a kind of upscale restaurant in, um, in well, actually it was a very upscale restaurant in Portland, which was a great blessing. The job was a great blessing, but it was um, it was actually pretty stressful <laughs> um, because there were really high expectations, and um, and you know Jack was working part time and trying to figure out what he was doing, and I was trying to figure out what he's doing, and there was just there was just a lot of tension there. Um, his mother came out from Michigan and was staying with us, so we were already in a three-bedroom house with four kids and the dog, and it's about, it was about, I don't know, 1,100 square feet or something, and, you know, one bathroom. <laughs> and, we, um, and then his mom came to stay with us, which was a huge help. But we, so we gave her our room, and so Jack and I were sleeping on an air mattress in the living room for about six months, you know. But um, 
through that, you know, it's so funny because I, so many people are like, oh, I don't know how you're doing that. And even while it was going on, my friends would come over every morning and see me like folding up the blankets and, you know, carrying the air mattress into the garage so I could pull it back out at night. And, you know, they were like, Jen, this is nuts, you know, but, um, you know, there were so many little things like every night when I left that restaurant in downtown Portland, I mean, I, you know, I don't know if any of you know much about Portland, but it has one of the highest homeless rates, you know, so I would be driving home at night. And anytime I felt like even just this ping of sympathy for myself, I would look over and there would be somebody laying on the street, you know, in the freezing cold at night, you know, and I'd be like, thank God, thank you for my air mattress and my nice, safe, warm house. And, you know, so there was constant reminders all along the way to be grateful and to be happy. But, um, but yeah, there were some, there was some low moments and, and there was, I think for me, um, you know, there was, I think the lowest time for me was when I, I finally got to a place, you know, the whole time from the beginning, I was like, Lord, just whatever you're doing, I know you're doing something during this time. Let's just, let's just get to the finish. I just want to, I just want to end this, whatever it is. It must be something about Jack, Lord, just whatever it is, finish it. Let's just move on, you know? And, uh, I'm only kidding. But anyway, uh, you know, the, (laughs) It was definitely, you know, you wanted to like, hurry up. What do we need to learn? Let's just learn it. Let's just move on. And, um, you know, I, I was, as we were talking last night, I said to Jack, I, I had been so ready, I think, you know, sitting in the comfort of my home when things were going great, thinking, if God called us to Africa, I would so go. I would, I would leave all this in a heartbeat. This means nothing to me. I would, I would go live in a hut if that's what he wants me to do, you know. And um, I had envisioned that many times. We had talked about missions. You know, we had talked about doing something like that. Um, What I was not prepared for was him slowly just taking things away from our life, from that, from, you know, health insurance, paychecks, and, you know, just, you know, staying at home with my kids, things that I had unknowingly wrapped my heart around um, and he just began to take that away. So, guys, going, oh, my mom's crying. So I think the low part for me in Oregon was that I came to a place in my heart where I realized he might not be actually, like, there may need, <laughs> this might be the new reality of my life. This might be the place where God has me from now on. This might not be a phase. And if it is, what am I going to do about that? (laughs) What if we never go back to the way I want things to be and the way that I thought they were going to be? And um, how how am I going to respond to that? And... um, I think there were there was a couple months there where I thought, I'm not going to handle that well. <laughs> I don't like that at all. And why would he do that? And um, so, you know, there was there was a low point there where I had to kind of struggle through that. And things were very hard for he and I. Um, things were very just tense in our living situation. It was tight quarters and. 
um, just a lot of people living in a small house and working hours. And uh, I remember Daryl calling me um, one day when I was on my way home from work. And um, he said, you know, hey, how are things going? They're bad. They're very bad. <laughs> he said, what do you mean? What do you mean they're bad? I'm just done, just done with all of it. You know, and I remember he, there was just pause on the phone, like, I don't know what she means by that. I mean, I'm sure he was trying to kind of like, whoa, you know. Um, and I don't even remember the whole, the entire extent of the conversation, but I think that it grew some concern in him. And um, so it wasn't long after that that all of a sudden Daryl Rose was standing at our door, <laughs> which was a very funny afternoon. I came home from work and there was a tap on the kitchen window. And I looked over and Jack was standing right in front of the window and I said, who is that? And he said, that's Daryl Ruiz. <laughs> and I said, no, it's not. And he said, yes, it is. And by this point, now everybody's just staring at the window. <laughs> Nobody's moving. Daryl's just waving. I was like, maybe we should answer the door. <laughs> so, um, but that was an incredible moment. <laughs> it was... Um, it was just, it was just so awesome. That's, I mean, I just don't know how to describe it other than to say it was just awesome. And um, we we're just so incredibly blessed by um, by just your willingness and your hearts and your your um, care for us. And we know that Daryl was the messenger, but it was the whole body, and we we totally got that. Um, through the cards and, and through all the support that came along with him. And, um, and we, we needed it. We really needed it. And um, so it was just really, really amazing. And we just were so grateful to have the opportunity to just sit up here and say um, how grateful we really, really were on that day during that time and still are today. And... Um, so, yeah, so he, he came and um, that was in the spring and uh, we had already been approached by what is now Jack's employer apartment life, um, but we're still unsure about that. And I, I felt like looking back now, we realized, you know, we were in the, we felt like we were in kind of the, the final stretches of the marathon, you know, so to speak. And and uh, we just really needed that, that cheering <laughs> and to press on. And so um, it just came at the right time. And, and uh, so. Yeah, so you can, you can see the pattern. Uh, sadly, but humanly, we, we, we weren't always um, perhaps uh, examples of Scripture. But, um, Man, God was stretching us. And the lesson of the meantime, and the meantime, by the way, is still going on. It's by no means over. Uh, but uh, through a crazy sequence of events, which are too detailed to enumerate here, uh, God led us, continuing to use members of this church, uh, to this role that I'm in now, which just happens to be the perfect blend of ministry and business. And, uh, and we're back in Georgia, which is really cool. Our kids were... We're just elated to find out that that, that was the plan. Um, 
but we did, you know, throughout this process, it, uh, you've heard Jen's heart, and uh, for me, you know, I'm praying more than I ever have. I'm spending more time in Scripture than I ever have. Um, not just in my praying, talking to God, I'm driving to and from, but I'm on my knees for an hour or more, calling out. Calling out to our God in heaven and recognizing his incredible grace despite my humanness. His incredible, abounding gift of grace. You know, Paul teaches in 1 Corinthians 7 that our guidance, his guidance, and our goal is to secure an undevoted, uh, undistracted devotion to our God. And that's what we've been learning through this process. And if I could point to anything, even now, even today, as I'm in this ministry role, which, which I'm only 90 days into it, the learning curve is enormous. We're doing phenomenal things as an organization, touching lives for Christ, spreading the gospel coast to coast in one of the largest unchurched people groups in the country. Um, to be part of that is phenomenal. But what I've had to learn is to completely and utterly be at the end of myself. The depth of my inadequacy and the utter inability of myself to do anything of eternal value apart from the power of God, that's what I had to learn through this process. And that's what God's been showing us, showing me, showing us. And all of it, we now know, was preparing us for where we are now, which is still in the meantime. I just said to Jen, it was a couple of weeks ago, I said, I don't know that God ever wants us to be content again, God. You know? And, so encouraging to hear. You know? I mean, there are people out there laboring for the kingdom, and they've given up everything. And the things that we take um, as necessities that we've accepted uh, like like health insurance or or a savings account or a, or a retirement account. These are things we cling to, and and that's when we become adequate enough. And then it becomes our story, so to speak, and not God's story. So, the promises of God are numerous uh, in Scripture, and I actually purposefully and intentionally over time. Um, just started writing down those scriptures, those pieces sporadically placed throughout, sporadically yet perfectly placed throughout God's word um, that I would cling to, that I would hold on to. I, I, I need to memorize those. I need to understand those. It's part of our testimony now, God, because truly this is your story. So I, I, instead of verse by verse, I just I wrote it down as almost like a letter from God um, to, to me or to all of us. And so I'd just like to read that to you guys. Through my grace, I have given you my very great and precious promises so that through them you may participate in my divine nature, escaping the corruption in the world caused by evil desire. For I know the plans I have for you. I have plans to prosper you and not to harm you. Plans to give you hope and a future. Come to me, all you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke of gentleness and humility upon you and learn from me, and you'll find rest for your souls. 
I will give strength to you who are weary and increase the power for you who are weak. You may grow tired and weary and you may stumble and fall, but those who hope in me, your strength will be renewed. You will soar on wings like eagles. You will run and not grow weak. You will walk and not be faint. I will meet all of your needs according to the riches of my glory in my Son, Christ Jesus, for I am with you. I did not spare my own Son, but he was sacrificed for all of you. Through him, I will freely give you all things. Who can bring charge against you? I am the one who justifies. Who can condemn you? My son died and was raised and is now at my right hand, and he now intercedes for you. Who or what will separate you from my love? Will tribulation or distress or persecution or famine or nakedness or peril or even the sword? No. But all of these things and more, you can now conquer through Jesus. For nothing will now separate you from my love. The same love selflessly demonstrated by me and through my son Jesus. Whoever listens to me will live in safety and be at ease, without fear, without harm. I give you peace, not as the world gives you, but my peace. So don't let your heart be troubled and do not ever be afraid. For because you have sinned against me alone, you should receive death. But my gift to you is eternal life in Christ Jesus. Declare with your mouth that Jesus is Lord, and believe in your heart that I raised him from the dead, and you too shall be saved. For I love you so much, I sent my son to die for you, so that you could live with me forever. Amen. Jack, Jen, let me ask you just a couple questions as we uh, as we wrap up. What uh, and and Jen, maybe you you can speak to this. What advice would you give to couples who are finding themselves in the meantime, and uh, it it's growing more difficult, not just with the circumstance, but between the two of you. What what advice would you guys give to those couples? Um. I mean, it it seems silly to say (laughs) because it seems um, trite, I guess. But honestly, in in when in those times when it was the most difficult, I just clung to Christ (laughs) because I mean, of course, it was great to have um, friends and family, and you know, we found a church out there that um, was not as good as Cornerstone, but. It was okay. You know, it was it was a great little church, um, but it you know we we weren't there long enough to really grow into a, a deep fellowship with any of um, anybody that we met. But um, I think you know when you get into a situation like we were in, where we just felt um, overwhelmed, really, really overwhelmed. Um, it, it gets very hard to talk to anybody because you feel like nobody knows what you are going through. You know, nobody understands. And um, so for me, I felt like the only thing that I um, 
that I could do was go to Christ. You know, that was that for me, that was the comfort. Mm. And um, I, I did, um, there finally came to a point, I, I was carrying around a lot of frustration and anger, um, directing it towards my husband. And the Lord finally um, just convicted me on that. Um, and and brought me to a place of understanding that um, I had a responsibility as a wife and a mother that had nothing to do with Jack or anybody else around me. It was about me and my obedience to what God had designed me to be as a wife and a mother. And so, um, but I had I had to go to Him to get that understanding. You know, it didn't come from somebody outside. It came from understanding God's role for me um, and his design for for my life. And so, um, you know, I think that when we're faced with those situations, uh, no matter what it is, but I think especially with husband and wife, um, what I would encourage women to do or what I found was most helpful and healing in that situation and during that time was... um, to be reminded through scripture about what I was supposed to be doing in my relationship and obedience to Christ and, um, and focusing in on that once again. And, um, and it's amazing how God has designed uh, that when we are obedient, when we are doing what he has set up for us to do, everything else goes better. <laughs> so... Um, you know, I, I don't know if that makes sense to, <laughs> I don't know if that's rambling or not, no, but, good. but that's, um, that's where I found. Yeah, that's good. <laughs> a few years down the road, uh, as you get further and further away from these, these stories and these situations, um, we're pretty forgetful people. Mm-hmm. And, uh, I, I found that things, uh, the further I get away from them, uh, they look less like blessings and God's intervention, and more like luck or uh, it just came together sort of thing. You guys have mentioned journaling. How important has that been to you over the last couple of years to, to help you remember what all God has been doing in this meantime? Uh, extraordinarily. I, you know, <laughs> that's, that's the coolest, one of the cooler parts about going back and looking at it because you're right, Daryl, we do... My mind tends to remember the good more than, than, than the not-so-good, perhaps, and God's faithfulness throughout all of it. That was part of why I wrote down those promises from Scripture and then created kind of a single compilation because every piece of that Scripture I can draw back to a moment or a season, a season within the season. Um, and so going back and reading what you wrote... Uh, when you're in that time with with the Lord and you're you're praying and you're you're you're, you're meditating on Scripture, um, you know, kind of reignites that moment. Uh, so I was, you know, uncategorically very important. I mean, it's of enormous value to me, hmm. and uh, we'll draw back on that many times as we work on our book. Yeah, that's good. Um, Jack, being an elder here for a number of years, uh, you have been in on a lot of the conversations about how we, what our goal is as a leadership here as far as developing people and helping people grow in Christ. And, and we've, been, we've had a lot of those conversations. 
And then you guys went through all that you went through, and, and you've spoken about uh, how important it was that you had a church family that you were connected to. But you weren't just connected to, you, you were invested in. And when the time came, they, they were able to turn around and reinvest back into you guys. Um, in, a, in a culture where church is kind of the thing we do on Sunday mornings and, and we, we half-heartedly uh, attend sometimes and, and, and we make decisions on what church we're going to be a part of based on sometimes some superficial things, on how good the music is and how, how good the preaching is, or what they have for my kids, or, or, or a number of things. Um, what, what advice would you give to people when they're looking for a church, having gone through everything that you've gone through now, and looking back with an appreciation and an affection for the church family that came around you? How do you differently think about what church is now, maybe? Well, that's, that's a broad question. But, you know, for Jen and I, particularly in this second season of searching and experiencing different church bodies. Um, you know, walking through the door of a church, we do. We have expectations. We want to hear certain music. We want to worship a certain way. We don't want to be stretched or challenged in some ways. Other ways, um, we, want to, we want to feel something. Um, we want our kids to have a good time. There's all of these kind of uh, preconceptions that we walk through the door with. And what Jen and I have been praying now, having left Cornerstone and gone out west, and, and it's definitely the left coast. There's not many churches out there. We moved back to Georgia, and Sunday morning there's seven traffic stops, and they're all because churches are letting in and out, you know, in, in a 10-mile stretch. It's just a different world out there. But that, that sense of intimacy with God, walking out of a church saying, I serve a big God, uh, God is bigger to me, bigger to me week after week because of what I'm learning, um, uh, a, a body of Christ that, that, that utters the name of Jesus, a body of Christ that loves on one another, a body of Christ that understands concepts like sin and grace. Um, these are becoming, in my opinion, sadly rare, uh, more and more um, uh, hard to find. Yeah, um, And so we had that experience at Cornerstone and, uh, and went looking for the same, thinking it'd be right around the corner, and it wasn't. So I would encourage you to pray if someone was in that scenario. You know, God, how can I best serve? Um, and where would, I, where would you have me serve, rather? Um, because you may not find those things because of the rarity uh, that they, they present. And, uh, um, but you can certainly be a piece of that. You know, if you find yourself in a church that maybe doesn't meet all of those needs, so that's—I don't know—that's a direct answer to your question, Joe, because we're struggling through that right now. Hmm. Um, but uh, uh, you know, we were listening to a sermon just a little while ago as we were going through this process, and you know, um, I think it was Alistair McBag said that most people, uh, huh? I'm sorry, Alistair Bag. Uh, uh, thank you, honey. Uh, oh, so he said most people, the only scripture they get anymore is it flashed up on the screen, and it's usually out of context, and people aren't challenged to read their Bibles. We don't even carry them into church anymore. And so these seem seemingly fundamental pieces of being believers and followers of Jesus are, are slowly dissipating. And so, uh, um, yeah, be, be, be diligent in your search, but at the same time, you can, you can, you can, you can embody that wherever you're attending. Amen. 
Well, Jack, I'm going to ask you to pray here in just a minute. Ricky, why don't you come up? We're going to do a final song. Jack, will you pray and uh, give thanks as we uh, are wrapping up the Thanksgiving week? Why don't you uh, give thanks for uh, the body of Christ and all the blessings that a good father gives us? Will you do that? Absolutely. Amen. Yeah. Amen. Praise God. Lord Jesus, thank you. God, we love you. You first loved us, Lord. And despite our humanness, Lord, that's what we respond to. We respond to that free gift of grace, abounding grace, Lord. And for that, we are thankful. And that's just the beginning. God, I thank you for, uh, I thank you for the opportunity in this country, Lord, to freely walk through the doors of a church to freely proclaim your name, to freely circle up, Lord, with, with uh, other people that love you, other people that, that, that are experiencing your profound uh, manifestation, your profound uh, um, sense of, of, of we can't do it without you, God. Lord, I thank you for uh, churches like Cornerstone. I thank you for pastors like Daryl. Um, and Lord, I pray for churches out there. I pray for leaders out there. Uh, because there, there are a lot of voices calling in today's culture. There are a lot of... Uh, there are a lot of... Uh, uh, instances where a, a pastor or, or a teacher or someone who disciples may be tempted to dilute or water down or walk away from the pureness of your truth, Lord. So I just, I just lift up those leaders and pastors and uh, uh, teachers, Lord, that they would have the strength and the boldness uh, that, 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 that we can proclaim through you. You don't give us a spirit of timidity, Lord. You give us uh, a spirit and a pure heart of, of boldness and confidence through Christ Jesus. I thank you for this body, Lord, and I thank you for using uh, over and over in your perfect timing, Lord, the hearts and minds that walk through these doors, uh, not just to minister to us, Lord, but to minister to people far and wide, some of it known, some of it unknown, Lord, but it's just a response to your love. It's, it's an act of obedience, Lord, because you are good, because you do good, and therefore, we want to learn your statutes, Lord. Enable us to continue, uh, even as sinners, Lord, continue uh, through your grace and mercy to be the arms, uh, the hands, the feet of Jesus Christ to a lost world. All these things we pray in Jesus' precious name. Amen. Amen.